Hey everyone, welcome to tonight's episode of the Mystery Podcast, where I'm joined by my lovely wife, Caitlin Elke. She's going to talk about her educational experiences graduating from Central Springs High School, as well as going on to play college softball at Indian Hills Community College in Ottumwa, Iowa, as well as Central College in Pella, Iowa. After that, she's going to talk a little bit about some of her current work experiences. She started off after college at Winnebago Industries in Forest City, Iowa, and currently is in a role in the Human Resources Department at Mercy One in Mason City. Um, Also, she's going to talk about some different career advice that kind of deal with her experiences in recruiting employees and interviewing employees, as well as just some general life advice when it comes to education sports and life in general hey everyone tonight i'm here with my lovely wife caitlin elke um how are you doing tonight caitlin i'm good how are you doing oh fabulous believe it or not the person that lives inside the same house as me has been the hardest one to set up a time and get this done with hence the week break between episodes so um I talked a little bit in the intro about Caitlin's positions and current roles and some of the jobs she's had, and she's going to talk about those in the future here, but let's start going backwards here a little bit. Tell me a, bit, tell me a little bit more about the high school interests and activities you had. Um, what did, when did you know what you wanted to do after high school? Well, I guess I focused a lot on softball. Um, a lot of people on your podcast have talked about being involved in sports or other activities in school. I also was really interested in arts. Um, So I like doing pottery and stuff like that, which helped me kind of get to know a bunch of different people. Um, So that was fun in high school. Uh, As far as knowing what to do next, I really just followed the softball path. I really was just looking at schools that I wanted to continue playing softball at. And I just kind of tried out a bunch of different classes. I really, again, I liked art, but I didn't want to major in art. Um, So it was trying to take a bunch of different classes to figure out what really interested me. Mm -hmm. So kind of using softball as the means to the end and the purpose to go into school to figure out exactly what you wanted to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. So again, softball was a big priority in your life um, early on. And then as you continue your education, how'd you decide on going to a junior college for softball? Um, Honestly, my dad was really involved in helping me get a list of different schools uh, to look at. And um, we decided on a junior college because I wanted to explore the opportunity for a smaller numbered school, if that makes sense. So I came from Central Springs, uh, not very big class sizes like Northwood. Um, So honestly, going to a larger school was kind of intimidating right away. Um, So we focused on junior colleges. I did look at NIAC. I think NIAC's a great option. I just really was interested in moving away from home. Um, So I actually went to Indian Hills um, Community College, which is in Ottumwa. And um, that was pretty cool because we had class only Monday through Thursday. So it was three-day weekends, which was kind of nice coming out of high school and moving into college and having that as your class schedule. All right. So when you're at Indian Hills, um, what were some of the different things you participated in activities-wise? Did you have any jobs or anything like that? 
Yeah, I was a resident assistant. Um, so I started that job my second um, semester, and I continued that throughout college um, at Indian Hills. Um, I did some work in a um, teacher as like a teacher assistant. I did some of that. Um, but most of my working came from being an RA, and uh, a lot of my other free time was tied up with softball. So as you talked about, or as you will talk about a little later, you ended up majoring in psychology and are working in the human resources side of things. Did anything at Indian Hills kind of push you in that direction, or is that something that came later on down the line? Yeah, um, I took a class, uh, the psychology, it was a marriage and <laughs> marriage counseling class which is kind of funny <laughs> but uh, I took that class and it was really interesting and that honestly was a class that I enjoyed the most and I retained the most information out of it without really trying um, and so I really focused on that moving into my um, education path. All right so Talked a little bit about your two years at Indian Hills. Obviously, there's the softball side of things. We'll talk a little bit more of that maybe when we talk about your next stop yeah. along the way. Yeah, I think that junior colleges are a really good opportunity for students to um, not have to pay a lot for school um, because they tend to cost less. So I think it's a good starting point, too. And like I said earlier, you don't have to um, stay locally to go to a junior college if you really do want to get out of the area too. Yeah, I think a lot of times people associate junior college with NIAC, and obviously NIAC's a good choice yeah. if you're saving money with the living at home type thing, but there are also some cheaper options like Indian Hills, like a DMAC, et cetera, all kinds of them throughout the state where if you want to get away a little bit, the tuition's going to be a lot cheaper. Obviously, the room and board part is the thing that's going to maybe cost a little more, but again, you Worth County folk are going to have that added benefit of the WCDA scholarship. And you actually, obviously, growing up in Worth County, got to benefit from that too. Yeah. So another thing to help um, waive a little bit of the cost and offset a little bit of the cost of college. So at what point did you decide where your next step was going to be after Indian Hills? Was there ever a point where, A, you didn't maybe want to continue your softball career or was that something that you knew in the back of your mind you were always going to do? Um, so for some reason, this quote's popping up. When I was in high school, I said to someone that I wanted to play softball until I was a little old granny. <laughs> so uh, pursuing softball was always in the back of my mind. Honestly, it was still just softball focus at this point, not career driven. But in doing that, I learned a lot about myself. You're faced with a lot of adversity in sports, which plays into the um, adult world, I guess. And so when I was deciding what to do next after Indian Hills, it was kind of back to square one um, because I had no clue where I was going to go. I wanted to go out of state, didn't really know what opportunities to pursue and it was kind of like one of those situations where it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I um, connected with an old teammate who uh, talked me uh, into coming to Central College. She told me about all of the benefits to going there and the softball team. And so I explored Central College in Pella, and I ended up going there to finish out my softball career and um, education. Okay. So... Obviously, four years being a student athlete um, uh, adds up 
whole new level of time commitment that you talked a little bit about a job when you were at Indian Hills. What are some of the biggest challenges you saw as being a student athlete while you were in college? Um, I, I know this has been talked about in a couple of the other podcasts, but it was time management. Um, you have, so Indian Hills, we didn't have as intense of a schedule, um, as far as academics or softball. But when I went to Central, we had, um, you know, practice at five in the morning that we had to start. And then we had lifting and we had class in between. And then we had running afterwards. And then we had practice again. Um, And then maintaining friendships and relationships in between all of that and getting your homework done. So it was hard. Um, I honestly, I did struggle adjusting to that. Um, Definitely in the first few months of Central because I was coming in at a junior level and everyone at Central for the most part had two years to adjust to that type of education and balance and so it was reevaluating what I needed to focus my priorities on so that was a huge adjustment into the Central world. Yeah for those of you who aren't familiar Central College is in Pella, Iowa. It's kind of well, it is in the same conference as Wartburg, so if you're more familiar with Wartburg, it'd be very similar to that um, <laughs> a, on a um, competition level, on a size, um, very similar in that regard. So a private school, um, not as cheap for tuition and room board as, say, like a UNI in Iowa, Iowa State, but obviously very good alternatives, too, for people who are interested in that. Yeah, the D3 Avenue is a little bit more expensive in comparison on some levels, but it does provide, or at least for my experience, it did provide still that small town feel, um, which is big, um, you know, for me coming from a small town, going to a small town. So it was nice to have a lot of good relationships and support system. Mm -hmm. I'd say, obviously, listeners know that I went to UNI. My first class I walked into at UNI was a lecture hall of about 250 people. So that's obviously an overwhelming feeling coming from a small town school. And I'm guessing you never had that experience where you had classes even close to that big. So I remember actually my first class, the first day was intro to macroeconomics. Our teacher, professor sat down and said, throw away what you guys know about traditional grading 20 percent of you are going to get a's 20 percent b's c's d's and f's so that adds up to 100 percent. and i'm just sitting there like oh my gosh 20 percent of these people are going to get f's like it doesn't matter what grade they get and at the end of the day like i understood that that was kind of just to kind of weed us out so to speak um because i ended up getting an a in that class with a about 82 percent average so in any other traditional classroom that wouldn't have been even close to the case so made a little more sense to me but at the same time you see all these people around you a lot of faces you don't know it gets to be pretty overwhelming yeah it is kind of nice then um being able to have that one-on-one with professors and getting to know them more too so i think it's like what works best for you on your learning Mm -hmm. um and i would have probably not succeeded in that class that you're talking about i would have been a little overwhelmed Mm -hmm. as extroverted as I am I don't think I would have done well in that class size Mm -hmm. and again for those of you who aren't as familiar maybe with some of the smaller colleges a lot of those coaches and assistant coaches and people involved with programs do some teaching and have a lot of other roles on campus too so those relationships maybe go a long ways other than just on the field or in the classroom Mm -hmm. so you ended up majoring in psychology 
Um, we met your junior year of college, and ever since then, I knew kind of what you wanted to go into. And right now, and all throughout your career, you've kind of been in the human resources side of thing. What were your first, or what was your first career out of college, and what role did you have in that position? Uh, so I applied. Well, so I did an internship at Mercy One. Um, they did not have an opening at the time when I completed my internship. Uh, so I kept in contact with them, but I did apply to a couple areas. Um, I ended up applying at Winnebago Industries in Four City, as most of you know. And um, I got my job, first job there out of college. Um, so that was really cool. I remember the feeling of walking into like an office and being like, well, I'm a grown up now. <laughs> so that was kind of a cool experience. Mm-hmm. So obviously I know a lot of these things and a lot of things you've told me over the course of the last four or five, six years from your work experiences. Um, in class, we talk about how to get a job and best strategies to get a job and certain things that are absolute no-nos during the interview process. But with that being said, at a lot of places, the labor force, like our, our unemployment rate, especially before this COVID stuff hit, was very, very low, like record lows. Mm-hmm. So employers are, in that regard, hiring about anyone that eventually, at, at the end of the day, can pass a drug test and has, again, somewhat somewhat of a decent resume. What are some of the interesting stories you have from your experiencing interviewing people for jobs? Um. Well, (laughs) I've had a couple interesting ones. Um, You would think people know not to swear in interviews. Um, I've been been sworn at and called naughty things. Um, I've had people just casually swear like they're talking to a buddy at the bar. So um, not an appropriate time to use that language. One of my favorite stories, I guess, was uh, it was a person that I was interviewing that was probably out of high school and um they were nervous you could tell um they weren't quite comfortable in the interview situation and I understand that but it was so funny because we were in the middle of the interview and their phone started ringing which as we recommend either don't bring your phone into an interview or if you do turn it off or make sure it's on silent and you especially want to make sure it's on silent if your ringtone is, I think, what's the guy's from South Park's name? The larger guy. Cartman. Cartman, yeah. Cartman's laughing and then he's tooting. <laughs> <laughs> That's his ringtone. Interesting <laughs> well, way to put it. Okay, well, it's the parent vocabulary coming <laughs> <You're right>. out. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. So... That's his ringtone, and he got so red, and I was trying so hard not to laugh because that's pretty funny, but not a great um, thing to happen during an interview. Um, I've also been awkwardly hit on in an interview. Shouldn't do that. Um, And definitely don't lie in an interview about small things because it's pretty easy to figure out when people are lying in interviews. Believe it or not, people fact check, and the things that are on your (laughs) resume, they will probably look back on so here's the real question did any of those people get the jobs no I was kind of a tough cookie my (laughs) boss told me that I um I was kind of tough on actually hiring some people because there were some other reasons that people didn't get the job I think the person whose phone rang did get the job because that was a pretty minor thing but the person who was lying or swearing inappropriately they had some other 
um, as we call it, red flags on our resume Mm -hmm. or application and their interview that we decided not to hire them. Yeah. So again, we've, we've talked about a lot of this stuff in class, but our unit that we would do on careers and stuff like that got cut short because of school being canceled. So we didn't get to go into as much detail. Um, you being in HR, what are some of the things that, like, let's say I'm applying for a job, I'm going through the interview process. What are some things that I should be aware of that are reasons maybe an employer can't not hire me for? Like, what are some things that, that, they can't discriminate against when it comes to hiring. Oh, like protected. Yeah. What are so if I I have certain characters like you, for example, you can't hire me because I of my gender, or not hire me because of my gender. What are some other things that are less obvious uh, than that? Gender, race, creed, so your religion, beliefs. Um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on these. I know these usually like the back of my hand, but. Um, so anything that's really personal, I guess I will say, instead of listing off everything. So um, I'm trying to think of an example I can use that's not too specific. Um, but if somebody were to, so let's say I'm applying to a job that you're helping somebody hire and um, you're telling them, hey, I know this person, she's a mom, a young mom, and you know, I think she'd be a really good fit for your job. Technically, that person who's hiring me should not clearly know that I'm a female. They shouldn't know that I have a kid because we all make stereotypes either intentionally or not intentionally um, that could impact your hiring. So um, in the industrial world, that can be a problem. Um, So if I was getting hired for a position on a manufacturing line, sometimes people are less likely to hire females because they think that they're less physically strong than males. Um, And same with like people having kids. Sometimes people think if you have a kid, you're going to call in sick. You're going to call in because your kid gets sick. You're not going to have daycare. So people are less likely to hire people um, in those situations. And so in HR, our, kind of responsibility is to help people not think that way or help people recognize that they're thinking that way and help them to put those opinions or thoughts aside and really get down to their skill sets. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's only fair that every single person is hired based on their ability to do a specific job, not, not necessarily by who you know or what other characteristics you have about you, but just specifically how you can do your jobs Mm -hmm. what other tips do you have for people when it comes to the job hunt process would that be writing resumes whether it be applying whether it be interviewing um i think that it's good to start by looking on indeed obviously even now um when i am talking to high school students about their careers i'm telling them if they're interested in a medical career or anything at the hospital um i am working at the hospital right now um so at the hospital, we are 24-7 operation. So we have people that are working in maintenance. We have cooks. We have, obviously, doctors and nurses. But there's a lot of other positions. So I tell uh, students to go online and look at what the position qualifications are. So if something spikes your interest, um, like a surgical tech, if we have a surgical tech position open, which is somebody who hands tools to someone in surgery. We're going to tell you in the job posting online what type of education you need, how many years of experience, and everything that you need to know to um, start going down that career path. So I think that's a good starting point. 
And then when you're building your resume, um, bullet points help instead of full sentences. Just keep your resume something that somebody can look at quickly. Mm-hmm. Make the important things stand out because, again, you're you're selling yourself and this is your first chance to do that. Going back yeah. to your suggestion, um, things have definitely changed since the times where help wanted signs are posted on the doorway of a business. Um, when Caitlin referenced Indeed, she means Indeed.com. So, like, there's a lot of different websites out there where careers are posted. Um, social media, um, a lot of other more non-traditional means compared to maybe 10 or 20 years ago. So use that internet as a resource to find out all those different career opportunities. How about a situation where, like you talked about, for a position, you list the qualifications and someone might might not have, like say, maybe you need five years of experience and they have four years of experience. Do you recommend they still apply for those jobs? Um, yes and no. Um, so I wasn't fully qualified based on the job posting for my first job because I didn't have the experience yet, but I was able to, once I got the interview, I was able to talk about things that I had done um, that makes me qualified for the position. But if it's like a RN position and it says that you're required to have this education, um, we legally couldn't hire somebody. Um, There are some exceptions. I would say that job experience, if you're close, that's probably the one I would still apply to. But if it's education-based or um, certification-wise, I would say you can always still apply, but don't be surprised if they may not be able to move forward with you legally. Yeah, like obviously if you're going to apply for a teaching position, but you don't have your teaching license, that's a different story. But again, the work experience is one that one year of work experience at company A might be completely different than one year work experience at company B. And a lot of employers too, when it's not dealing with the licensing and stuff like that, they might prefer to train employees a certain way too. So if you're working in a trade position, like say we hired you for roofing for our company, obviously we have a certain way we do things that are probably very similar to other people, but we prefer that you learn that way as well. So again, a lot of it's going to depend on the company, but you know, going into whatever career you're going into, if you do need licensing or certification and different things as well. What are some things that make employers turn away or shy away from a candidate even before they even get their foot in their door for an interview? Um, honestly, first impressions are huge, whether it's in person or um, electronically. So in I can speak to our process, I guess, with Mercy One. So if you're going to apply and I'm reviewing your application, if I reach out to you and you don't reply for weeks at a time or you're really hard to get a hold of, that doesn't leave the best impression. Um, Everyone's understanding, but um, that all kind of starts off on a bad foot. Um, So that can be a bad impression. But as far as how to make yourself seem like a better candidate on your resume, I would say if you have jobs, so let's say five years down the line, you're starting into your career, I would encourage you not to job hop because there are many leaders and myself included that if I have 10 applicants for one job and one person stays at a job for two months, three months, five months, six months, I'm not going to look at moving them forward compared to somebody that stayed at one job for two years. Um, that's because somebody who stays at a position longer typically can handle adversity well. They're able to deal with conflict because no one's 100% happy at their job every single day because 
we're human, we have good days, and we have bad days, and if you can stay at a position for a while, it shows that you're able to kind of work together with people. Um, obviously, life happens, so if you have gaps in your work history or you are job hopping, um, being able to explain why and having credible reasons why, um, not that my boss was a jerk, that shows that you're blaming them. <laughs> so it's just... Thinking about that when you are in the workforce, um, but when you're first starting out, if you don't have a job and you're really excited to get your first job and you just need to get your foot in the door because everything requires experience, I think it's just putting out as much as you can and then selling yourself. So when you're in that interview and they're asking you questions, be able to give different examples of things. So I could tell you five different ways off the top of my head if I'm in an interview how I can demonstrate teamwork. Here's this example and this example instead of using the same one. I think when you did a podcast with Derek, he recommended like writing down what mm -hmm. you would answer. And I think that's a good idea. Practice those in your head. Do it till you feel comfortable. Think of different examples of things that you could go back to. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's huge in being able to sell yourself. Yeah, definitely. And obviously kind of expanding on that. When you leave college, you might not, the first job you have, might be in your career path but it might not be your dream job and I think we get so caught up in like the median salaries for different positions and there's a big difference between the median salary and the starting salary for different things and you might kind of get a rude awakening if you go into that career expecting to make x amount of dollars but it's a lot lower than that but at the same time again you're willing to get started somewhere and put in the time and maybe work yourself up the totem pole up the ladder at that position or at that company, people are going to see that hard work and that's only going to pay dividends in the long run. Like when I started at Winnebago, I was, I liked Winnebago a lot. I just, I loved Mercy when I interned there and I really wanted to get back there. Um, but I didn't plan on leaving Winnebago when I accepted that job. I built my professionalism. I, learned so much because I was asking questions, willing to learn. And that really helped me get in a position where I could apply and accept a job at Mercy One when that opportunity came. And so that was really nice to have that. Um, and, you know, a lot of jobs moving forward in the future that they talk about too are not going to always require um, college education. So if you're coming out of high school and you're trying to get a job, if it, it may require a certificate, which some places, like I think um, Hinkle, they have a program set up, which is great, that you can get on-the-job training, you can go to NIAC through their company, um, and then you get certified. And so there's lots of ways that you can really make yourself seem like a qualified candidate, even if you're lacking that experience. You just really need to start in high school if you're looking to go into the workforce right away or in college and try to be coachable, try to take teachers seriously, look people in the eye, make eye contact, you know, um, treat every day like it's an interview. Like I got mm -hmm. that advice recently from someone. It's That's how you make impressions on people. You know, you can always learn something from somebody. Mm -hmm, definitely. And obviously those people who are watching aren't just like it's it's very easy to be um positive when things are going well but they're also paying attention when things are maybe not going so great um you're having a rough day your company's not doing so hot it's definitely 
again, it's it's a 24-7 thing that people are aware of. And one thing I talked about a little bit earlier, too, the career fair side of things. I know at UNI, they had career fairs a couple times each year, and we had to go for a few classes for requirements, and I kind of thought of it as, oh my gosh, this is just uh, another check. I have to check off the list here. But if I would go back and tell myself something to really seize those moments, I know as a teacher, like you kind of know exactly where you're going to end up in terms of what, what job and what role you're going to have. But if I had just a general business degree, again, that opens all kinds of different doors. So again, take advantage of all those opportunities. Um, I know you do some things with um, different career days, whether it be mm-hmm. for even as young as junior high kids, I believe you've done yeah. in the past. So um, what are some things you tell kids or students when you do those things? Um, kind of a lot of the stuff I've talked about in this podcast. Um, I will say if you're ever in that situation um, as a presenter or observing or going to it for school, um, be engaged with the presenter. I am so sad to go to those and have so much stuff to tell everyone and then people are on their phones or they're talking to their friends and that right there is not leaving a good impression with myself if I were to hire you or if you were to apply. Um, But when I go to those, I just tell people essentially the same thing, you know, take advantage of opportunities, go online, look, ask questions. I had no idea half the jobs that were at Winnebago or half the jobs that were at the hospital until I started working there. I didn't even know what a phlebotomist was until I started working at Mercy One. I couldn't even pronounce it. What is it? It's someone who draws blood. So they have people hired specifically to do that role. So there's so many different career paths and Mercy One and lots of other places, but I can just speak to that because I know it. They pay for education. Like you don't have to have an education to get into a position there if you want to grow and you want to learn you can get there so whatever you're feeling after high school you can find a career and you can definitely find a career in North Iowa there's plenty of opportunities in North Iowa you just have to take the opportunities that are given and make the best of it definitely so obviously again stuff we've talked about there's a lot of different options I promise you that 90% 90% of your teachers, like the expectation isn't that, you know, you have to go to a four-year college, otherwise you're a failure. There's so many opportunities out there, whether it be going to a junior college for a year to getting a trade um, certificate, whether it be having your current employer pay for your college or for your education. I know there are employers in Northwood that are more than willing to pay for people's education just to keep them working with their organization. So to wrap up, Every podcast, I ask my guest any advice they would give to their high school selves, whether it be freshman, sophomore, whether it be junior, senior. Again, any time along the line, what's an advice you would tell yourself? Oh, there's so many things. I wouldn't change a lot because it made me who I am today, but I would start by telling myself to be nicer to my parents. (laughs) (laughs) An underrated aspect there. I think we all... We all maybe have a skewed view of reality on on our parents being just out to get us all the time. And obviously, you and I both can attest to this. Like once you kind of put the parent cap on, I know our son's only a year old, but there aren't there is literally isn't anything you wouldn't do for your kids. And I yeah. guarantee, for all you out there listening, your parents are thinking the same way. So go ahead. Yeah, um, and 
I just, I think I should have asked more questions. Like, I knew I wanted to do softball. I knew I wanted this, but I didn't know what I wanted to do for school. I thought I had to have an answer and stick to it, and that made me nervous. Um, So I think asking people that you're talking to, and I honestly heard about human resources first by asking my aunt in high school, but I didn't continue um, asking questions on how to take advantage of opportunities. And so I think it would be asking more questions about the career opportunities around North Iowa. Very, very good. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out of your night and being my first in-person guest on my podcast. That was a different dynamic. Um, Appreciate all the insight you gave everybody and probably have to have you on again soon sometime. Looking forward to it. (laughs)